Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cud Talk. We missed you last week. I hope that you missed us. Listen, this week we are going to dive in to Ephesians chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. Some good stuff here. If you're a parent or a uh, spouse, if you're married or you are a parent, you will want to tune in today as we talk really, really practical today. We give you some practical things that we've seen work in our own marriage and in our own parenthood. Thanks for listening. Let's get it started. All right, Chris, how you doing today, brother? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Missed you last week, man. Yeah, you too. I was on, uh, I took a little vacation. I was up in Kentucky, which you're from Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. It's kind of where we both got stuck down here in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, But but I took a trip back to Kentucky. In Kentucky, sorry, I took a sip of coffee. Um, They have, unlike South Carolina, and I think I heard last week that only six states do this where they have they take all the high school basketball teams and they only have one champion so like in here in south carolina we have one champion of 1a one champion 2a one champion three so on so forth in kentucky it doesn't matter your class they divide the state into 16 regions the winners of those regions go play basketball and it's a lot of fun now what it happens is a lot of times the big schools win um, and you would say, well, that's no fun. But while we were there, there was a school, Lyon County High School, or Lyon County, I don't know what they even call it, was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to a guy that I was sitting beside. Um, and by the way, me and my friends that go, we have no care of who plays. We just go to have fun and see each other and hang out. It's real. It's it's really fun. It's like our reunion every, every year. Um, but a guy we were sitting beside, he told me that Lyon County um, is a school of 259 students. K through 12. Oh, wow. But yet they made it to the final four. And so they they have a guy on their team, and he actually, while we were there, uh, scored enough where he broke the all-time scoring record in the state of Kentucky. And somebody's like, yeah, that's not real fair, though, because he's been playing since seventh grade. And <laughs> they just let him play so he could get – and I was like, listen, they let him play because they, they probably only had four players. They, yeah, only had they really could probably field a team. They only had 259 wow. kids in the whole school. But it was yeah, a lot of fun. Awesome. It was really cool. But not not that any of you listeners care, but hopefully that's so, a little interesting. So in, that's where I was. Yeah, so in 1990, Stone Ages ago, when I was in the eighth grade – totally dates me i get that but my high school won the 11th region and we went to the sweet 16 we lost in the first round still the best day of my life yeah it's really fun it was amazing there's probably i don't know for each game there's probably about the lower level of rup is is packed and so there's probably 12 13,000 people there i just can't imagine playing high school basketball that's pretty cool people that's pretty cool amazing so but anyway that's where we were last week um sorry we missed out uh, talking about Ephesians um, chapter 5. But we were in the end of chapter 5 uh, this week and on in the beginning of chapter 6, and, and we, we went through such a longer passage because um, they're very similar. The three sections where it talks about wives submitting to your husband and then children submitting uh, to your parents and then slaves submitting to your master. And so they all had a common theme there of submission, but also you mentioned it of not just the submitting party, but those who were being submitted to, there's really big portions in there about them and how they are to walk and how they are to to uh, treat those who are submitting to them. Um, and, and so there's a lot of good application in there. And I know from the sermon, 
um, you kind of did a lot of the teaching. And so I think this podcast will really be good for the application and the real practical matter. Um, I know you mentioned a lot Sunday morning that we have to be worthy. Husbands, you have to be worthy of your wife submitting to you. Parents, you need to be worthy of your children submitting to you. God calls children to submit to you, but he calls you to be worthy of that submission. Um, And so I really want to dive into those two things today. It says in Ephesians um, chapter 5, when it talks about uh, husbands, uh, or sorry, excuse me, wives submitting uh, to their husbands. And you mentioned this earlier. We're not going to dive too much into this, but how countercultural that is and like people don't mm-hmm. want lines but god clearly draws lines and it's for the good and right. and if we can find the right way to do this with fathers or if husbands can find the right way to love their wives and to be worthy of this and if wives do submit it's a beautiful beautiful thing and so uh where i want to get that today though um is in verse in chapter 5 verse 25 it says husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself for her and so when you read that in my mind as i was sitting there reading that sunday morning and as i just read it then i think you have to love your wife as christ loved the church and then he puts a little tag on there and says and he gave himself for her so in my mind it immediately says hey jonathan you need to love your wife in a sacrificial way but what does that mean and what does that look like and how can we help the listener kind of walk through if it if if it's a man but also a female that's married or not to know if their husband's are loving them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. How do you love sacrificially as a husband, and what should women be looking for in their way their husband loves them? Sure. I think when we talk about this, again, we talked about how just how countercultural this idea is um, in the sense of it just nobody likes to be told submission and how to do these kinds of things. I think that, though, you, key, you hit key on the word sacrificially, and – the balance in loving sacrificially yet still leading has to start with humility and not seeing your role as a husband and as a leader of your family as a domineering role, but as a role of a servant because you're serving your family. You're serving as Christ that you're leading in that. And I think that when we look at loving sacrificially and, and how we are to do that in practical ways, um, we can't. We have to do that, but we don't do it at the expense of the role that we're called to lead. And so, the the line, and I'll say the line, the the, the wording, and the way that Paul writes is, you know, that that, that as Christ gave Himself, um, you know, Christ Himself submitting to the will of the Father for the good of the Father and for the glory of the Father. I think it, you look at your marriage and you as we're called to love our wives as Christ loves the church, the bride of Christ. And and to do so means that for me, the attitude with which I see my marriage and lead in my marriage is not one of necessarily this authoritative, as I say, kind of a domineering way, but as a way of, of laying down even my, my belief of rightness and, and things in order to serve the entirety of my marriage and of my family. And so I think that as we look at those practical ways in which we do that, um, it starts with an attitude of humility and and believing and knowing that this is a calling that's been placed on our life. It's a responsibility. It can be sometimes frustrating. It can be sometimes very difficult, but it still has to be 
done in an attitude of surrender and an attitude of this is a calling of God, not some position that I serve. It's in a role. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, loving your wife sacrificially, I think there's a couple things that you don't need to do. And I think too many times husbands, especially right now, because because it is countercultural, culture has kind of said, hey, listen, um, men, it's okay for you to be goofballs. It's okay for you to be um, your wife's, if you have four children, your wife's fifth child. It's okay. Right. Um, and that is not what sacrificial living no. is. It's not no. giving up responsibility of leadership. Um, too many times I think guys are doing that today, and it's kind of why we're in the mess that we're in culturally is because men haven't stepped up. Right. Uh, it's why we're in the mess that we are spiritually because men haven't stepped up. Um, and so I don't think sacrificially means putting um, putting aside any kind of belief system, uh, putting beside your moral, putting aside your responsibilities. But what I do believe, uh, and I think that's obvious by the text, Um, But what I do believe is living sacrificially, it means putting your wife's needs above your own. Um, I've been uh, blessed, been doing some premarital counseling uh, recently, um, and um, we talk about almost in every area that we talk about in marriage. We talk about finances. We talk about family. uh, We talk about uh, uh, conflict. Uh, we talk about sex, and almost in, in every single one of them, um, I mentioned, and it's probably com- become redundant to them, put your wife's needs above your own. When it comes to finances, put your wife's needs above your own. When it comes to conflict, put your wife's needs above your own. When it comes to sex, put your wife's needs above your own. And that's what it is to sacrifice. Jesus put our need for relationship with God above his. When he when He died on the cross, he took on our sin, which caused separation between he and God so that we could have unity. Um, And that's what we are to do as husbands. And so practically, what does that look like? Um, That means when it's late at night um, and your wife has had a long day, um, you bathe the kids and you say, I need to take care of my wife right now. It means when you and your wife have conflict, you, you don't, you, if it's a belief that you have, if it's a, a doctrine of the Bible, you don't come down from that. What you do is that you say, hey, I'm going to work this out in the way in which my wife needs me to work this out. Right. When you and your wife have parenting issues, you say, hey, look, we're going to work this out, and I'm going to sacrifice so that I can love my wife better. I'm not going to bend on certain issues, but I am going to love my wife through this. And so I think a lot of times we get that confused because the line, the line seems blurred, but it's not really blurred. Um we don't sacrifice our beliefs, morals, doctrine of God's word, but we do sacrifice our desires for our wives. Um, and I think that looks different in every house, but I think that is a practical thing that isn't that isn't too black and white because it looks different sure. in every household. For you, it may be, uh, and I would highly recommend any couple out there, you've probably read it. If not, I highly recommend it. Five love languages. Find out how your wife needs to be loved. Um, and it's probably not the same way you need to be loved, uh, and sacrifice that right. and say, Hey, I'm going to sacrifice this because of you. And I do tell the couples in premarital counseling too, you do that knowing that your wife is doing the same. So I sacrifice my wants, needs, desires for Ariel because I know she's doing the same for me. If I take care of her, 
I don't have to worry about me because she is going to, in response, take care of me. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think, too, when you start thinking about, like, when you speak about the love languages, like, my wife's love language is acts of service. I'll be quite honest with you. That is hard for me. Because I'm because if we see it in the wrong perspective, it took me a while as we got married to see that by doing those acts of service, taking out the trash, folding a load of laundry was not her just not having to do something, but it was pouring into her to show that I cared about her. I cared enough to do something that is culturally maybe like it's the woman's job that she needs to do this, right? Like I don't care to run a vacuum. I used to not run a vacuum, but I'm like, because that's not what, you know, I think I should be doing. I should be roughhousing with the kids or whatever the case may be. When what really is going to pour into her life is not me showering her with gifts because, because like, I like a gift a gift, but knowing what pours into her spiritually and into our marriage, that if she knows I care enough and love her enough, to do things which I normally would probably not choose to do, but it's because I love her and want to pour into her, then it changes the whole perspective. We don't do things because we, you know, we're not we're not we're not pouring into them because we have to. It's because we desire to make sure they know we love them and value them. And if that means stepping out of something that would traditionally be considered who does what, that doesn't matter. It's a pour in. Dude, so when I was, I just said, dude, so it's not like I was in college. <laughs> so when I was working in the secular world, man, I would read these business books and whatnot. And, dude, the Bible honestly speaks to so many issues. And I know it's even talked about slaves submitting to owners. And, and when you think about that, I know, once again, the culture messed up those definitions. Right. Um, not the Bible. Um and so when you think about, like, an employee, like, any, any type of leadership, like, wouldn't you want them to lead this way? And don't you think the best leaders are ones that love the people that are submitting to them and sacrifice for the ones that are submitting to them, yet they stand firm in their beliefs right. uh, and they stand firm in their leadership roles, but yet they protect, they guide, they sacrifice for those in which they lead. Man, the Bible is so good for that sort of stuff. So, man, I hope we helped your husbands out a little bit. Let's move on to parenting uh, and children relationships. We see uh, that in this same uh, letter um, that Paul calls uh, children to submit to their parents and to obey their parents, I think is the word he uses. Um, but yet, you know, it, it says that, that that we, that fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so, Chris, let's really give some practical ways. How can parents, we just talked about how husbands can be worthy uh, uh, of submitting to how can parents what do parents need to do um, not just to be worthy but what do parents need to do to train their kids up what are some practical things that we want to say hey parents you know we're not going to tell you uh, how many times to whip your kid or we're not going <laughs> to get into that but we are going to give you some pra- what are some practical things you would want to tell parents on hey look this is what we have to do in order to train our kids up sure well, one of the things that when we read that passage of Scripture, when I think about my kids in general, uh, especially this this part that talks about, you know, hey, don't don't stir them to push them to anger. I, I've i learned with my kids, and I, maybe a lot of people is, is that when kids get upset or angry, they're, it's because they're frustrated. And I think one of the key things that I think that we pour into our kids as we lead our kids is we have to listen to them. It's hard sometimes to make 
the assumption that you know that they don't know what they're talking about. So you, you just kind of jump sometimes. And we don't listen well, I don't think, sometimes to our kids. Not that we're listening to them to make the decision for us or to decide what we're going to do. But, you know, kids have a hard time sometimes of being heard. In my house of five kids, I have one of my children who speaks very loudly because it's and it's not because we don't talk to them or listen to them. It's because they're trying to be heard. And so I think exhibiting patience and hearing them instead of just assuming we already have decided how we're going to react in that moment to what that child's going to say, we listen to them and, and we, we, we foster those conversations. We talk with our kids. We don't just command our kids. Um, we don't do the things like we kind of said Sunday, not to do as I say, not as I do thing. We model before them patience. We look at our marriages and when they see us, how we loving our spouse, how we love our spouse in front of them, that is a way in which we're growing and nurturing them. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we, we live. So, hold on, hold on yeah. right there. I just want to yeah. make sure. So you're, for anybody listening, kind of to get bullet points here, because I know that helps me. So bullet point number one, listen to your kid. Um, if you're going to train them up, you need to listen to them. And then you moved on to point number two, watch how you observe how you are treating your spouse in front of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm just, and I may rattle off a bunch of things. <laughs> we may never get back to it. But I do think that that modeling that in front of them is, is important. Um, I think being authentic with your kids and real with your kids is extremely important as well because we are not, we're not perfect parents and we're not perfect people. Um, and we, we have our, our own fair share of failures and miscues in, in life. And, and I think that by, by being open and authentic about the times that we have failed with our, in our own lives to help teach our kids that, you know, you're going to fail. Things are going to mess up. You're going to do that. But, Take that moment and teach them something from that moment. Make those moments very teachable moments. Okay, so just three right there. Listen to your children. Um, if you're going to train them up, you need to know them. Listen to them. Uh, that also makes them know they're valuable. Um, so many kids don't have value. They don't have self-worth. So listen to them. Number two, <clears throat> um, watch how you treat your spouse around them. Make sure they know that dad loves mom. Uh, mom loves dad. Number three, uh, be vulnerable. Uh, let them go through life with you. Let them walk through life with you. Um, y'all learn from each other. I would just add a couple to that. Um, one, I think, is obvious, but I think it's hard to do in practice. Read the Bible with your kid um, I uh, in, in two ways. Um, one, make nighttime devotions important. Uh, me and our son... Um, my daughter doesn't read yet, She, which my son doesn't even read, but she doesn't comprehend when we read books to her. But my son does. Uh, he's four. <laughs> um, and we make sure to read the Bible with him daily um, because that instills in him, A, the Bible's important enough that we're going to do this every day, um, but also, B, it's instilling God's Word in him. Um, he's he's learning God's Word. Uh, last night he was going to bed, and my dad's in town, so he's sleeping on a, on a cot in our room. Um, and he was scared, and Ariel said, you know, Dawson, why, why shouldn't we be scared? Um, and he said, he said this at, at three years old, he said, because God's bigger than my fear. Like, my three-year-old said that. He said, and then he said he weighs more. Um, <laughs> and then he went on and on, and he said, because, you know, he weighs more, and because Jesus loves me, and he died on the cross for me. 
And this is three years old, man. And and I literally got out my phone. I was like, I got to record this. I don't remember this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um. And I got it to record. And Ariel said, uh, Dawson, why shouldn't you be afraid again? And he said, I don't know. But um, <laughs> but he said that at three years old. This was just last night. And it's because we read God's word together. It's not because mom and dad telling these things, which we do, but it's right. because we open God's word and we read it. Um. And so that's one way we read God's Word together. But then another way, on Saturdays, I usually read God's Word here at work, uh, but Ariel reads it at home. Um, and then on Saturdays, um, she still reads her Bible there in, on the couch. Um, <clears throat> and and a lot of times the kids are awake, and she'll just invite them up. And she'll just say, come hop up here, let's read, um, which is really cool. Um, I was studying for a sermon just not too long ago in Dawson, brought his little fake computer in where I was studying and I said, yeah, come on, pull up a chair. You want to know what I'm doing? And I said, you want to know what I'm, what I'm working on? And he said, yeah, Jesus. And I said, yeah, I'm, wor- <laughs> I'm working on Jesus. And so, but I opened up my commentary and I just read to him. And so don't think your kids, don't think your time with God is, is just your time. If your kids are up, let them join in, let them in on that. Let them see you working. Let mm-hmm. them see you studying. If you're studying for a Sunday school class, you know, and your kids are playing outside, you know, study by yourself. But if they come in, Bring them on in and say, hey, look, this is cool. This is what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Um, that's another good way to open yeah. God's Word and read with them. Um, I'll say uh, another thing. So read God's Word with them. Uh, number two, um, you personally, and I believe that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing this, but um, you bring them to church. Yes. Bring them to the to the place that we worship corporately. You and your spouse. As good parents, you need to be bringing your kids to church. Now, I'm going to give you uh, some statistics. I'm a big statistics guy. I'm a big Barna guy. If you want to look up Barna, uh, it's kind of like LifeWay's research group. Um, And this is some info. This is some some, uh, studies that they have done. They're a little bit dated um, back to about six years ago. Uh, But when both parents attend Bible study, so actual like Sunday school time as well as the Sunday service, when both parents go to church with their kids, 72% of the children that attend with them will stay in the church after they graduate, after they leave the home. They'll stay connected to the church if mom and dad both attend church with them. Y'all attend church together. Yes. One of the scariest <laughs> numbers, I was in youth ministry for a long time, um, and once again, I'm a big statistics guy. Um, and it may have changed since I've been out, but while I was in youth ministry, one third, um, of the people. So if you were walking any youth group on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and you were to count one, two, three, one, two, three, every, every, that third person, that two would remain in church after graduation. Just one third would remain in church. And what changes that is their parents bringing them to church and staying with them. If you want to see your child stay connected to the body of Christ, bring them to church. Stay with them. Bring them to Bible study. Don't just bring them to Sunday service. Bring them to Bible study. What that's going to do is a couple different things. One, um, in, in most, I would say in all, uh, children or youth, Bible studies, Sunday schools, whatever you have it, there is someone older teaching them. And so it builds them with, it, it does it does multiple things. Number one, it builds connections with other adults. So a lot of times the reason that those, that two-thirds of the kids left the church is because they felt they didn't connect other than right. with their youth. And so once they graduated, it's like, okay, 
Now I don't feel like I connect with the 25 through 60-year-olds. I just don't connect with them. I connected so long with people my age, but that's all I knew. That was like our mm. mini church. Well, when you bring them to Sunday school, <clears throat> um, it connects them with someone older. Um, also, too, it, it, it they see that that's an expectation of being a parent, that you know, our children learn, and, and you probably can look back on your own life as right now you're becoming your parents. You can probably see things that you're doing, habits you're creating, um, probably the way even you you tell jokes to your kids. I remember I was riding in the car uh, with somebody this week, and their two boys were sitting in the back seat, and they said, um, y'all quit throwing that ball. Here comes a police officer. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he was like, dude, my grandpa would have said that. Because he just he, we slowly yeah. turn into our parents. And and so, which the kid responded in a real smart, ethical way. He's like, yeah, what are they going to do? Put me in jail for throwing a ball? <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, But anyway, we do. We become our parents. And so what that does is that trains your kid that, hey, when you become a dad, without you explicitly telling them, when you become a dad, do this. Most of the time, you don't have to tell them that. Whatever you're doing, they're going to do when they become a dad or a husband or a mom and a wife. Um, and so you instill in them, hey, look, this is important. For you and your kid, when y'all, when you and your wife have kids, this is important. And so it instills that in them. Um, anything else you want to add? We, 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 we did five there. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. But also, just one of the things that I love more than anything, and you talk about, you know, getting your kids in the word with you is my kids. I love worshiping with my kids, not just on Sunday mornings um, because um, it's just, it's awesome when they come in Sunday mornings and we worship a song together and they're singing at the top of their lungs, but it's because they're hearing it through the week. And, and I think that if you can make some times that you, know, you don't have to sit down and have the intentional kumbaya type worship kind of thing, but just, but just what you're exposing your kids to Um is 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 valuable because my kids are singing songs that that I didn't know they really know because they're not listening to them with me but they're listening to them on their own and and I, I love that connection that we can have in worship which is one of the reasons that you, you know you, as a family you can talk about get to church as a family spouses go with your spouse to church with your kids don't just send mom or dad just don't go make that priority. Because that connection, I just because it flows over into every other part of your life, and I think it's important. I will say, if mom, once again back to dads, yeah. uh, if dads, you need to be you need to be worthy of submitting to. If mom brings the son mm-hmm. to church, so if, if both parents bring the kids to church and Sunday school, they're seventy two percent more likely to remain after they leave your household. Mm-hmm. If just mom brings them, you know what that number goes down to? Oh, Seventeen. I was gonna say less than twenty-five. Seventeen. Seventeen yeah. percent. So mom and dad, wow. you gotta do this together. Dads, yeah. step up. You gotta be the leader. We win the dad, you win the family. Um, and so anyway, hey man, this is a good week. This is some good practical stuff. Uh, next week will be really good and practical too. Uh, we're gonna be on the armor of God. Um, and the week after that, we'll be at Palm Sunday. Um, we aren't going to have any podcast the week of Palm Sunday. Uh, that is spring break, and most of us will not be here. Uh, but we will do a podcast after Easter. So, hey, man, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>